0: How are y'all doing? I'm Paul Ryan, your host of Across the Cowboys. We are part of the Across the Board Sports Podcast family. And guys, with me as always is my co-host, Mike the Pig Crumb. Mike, how are you?
1: I'm doing good, man. It's a, it's a meatless Monday, so I can't have bacon. So I'm a little bit more irritable than I normally am, but but not bad.
0: Well, man, I will do my best to stay on your good side, Mike. <laughs> well mike i did want to ask how was your fourth of july weekend man
1: uh i have dogs man so i hate i i am i don't want to ruin anybody's like time or nothing but i hate all y'all on fourth of july i hate everybody this has nothing to do with me being more irritable on Meatless monday it just freaks my dogs <laughs> out so we yeah all, you know how it goes when you have dogs it's hard with the fireworks
0: absolutely i know my dog man he was uh he was shivering and scared and uh for a couple of days there, man. Be, uh, we had some people popping off celebrating July Fourth before the actual fourth, and man, he was—he uh, didn't even want to go outside when the when it uh, when the uh, night came around, man. So I'm right there with you. I did want to say I noticed the um, chicken uh, cheesesteak picture, and then the uh, salmon that you posted yesterday, man. Those those look delicious,
1: dude. That's I seriously I could not. I don't. I won't even make salmon another day. That's slow roasted. It's a Chef Michael Simon recipe. Guys, a genius. I I have all but like one of his cookbooks, and uh, and he slow roasts it at three hundred degrees. Lets him. He marinates it for like an hour and a half, then slow roasts it at three hundred degrees till it gets to one ten. I let it go to one twelve because that's where I like it. It is so. It's unbelievable. I. I it's so good.
0: I did want to ask, cause, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. I kind of liked, uh, uh, I guess I'm more curious about the salmon and would, you know, would probably try that. I've had my share of chi- chicken cheese steaks and cheese steaks in general, but, um, what kind of sauce was that that you had on that salmon there?
1: That looked delicious, man. The, the marinade it's, it's, you marinate it for 90 minutes and then you cook it in that because it's slow. It's not going to boil and mess anything up, but it's honey, right. rice wine vinegar, um, I use pretty good olive oil. I don't use it when I'm cooking something, but I have a bottle of expensive olive oil that I use for, for like marinades or to finish off pasta with. And it has, right. um, what salt, pepper, ginger, fresh ginger, um, garlic, parsley. And, uh, I believe there's something, one other thing I'm mixing missing, but oh, lime juice and lime zest. You just uh, mix that up and dump it on top of the salmon for, like, 90 minutes and then roast it for 30, about 30 minutes uh, at 300 degrees. Killer.
0: Yeah, man. I know uh, my wife and I and my mom, we're we're taking my mom out to a seafood restaurant tonight out here and looking at your salmon. I think I've uh, got my inspiration for what I'll be ordering tonight. So,
1: oh man i love it love salmon salmon's good and it's not bad for you which is good because my fat butt needs to eat healthy as possible
0: yeah absolutely and you know we'll go ahead and put it an into the food talk maybe here in the future mike we'll start a a snack or a food podcast
1: mm-hmm. but uh mike
0: where can we find you out on twitter
1: i'm at cd piglet guys
0: and again guys i am paul ryan and you can find me at paul underscore ryan 15 well, Mike, here we are. It's episode eight, and you know, before we get into it, I just wanted to say to thank you to everybody who listened to episode seven. That seemed to be a a, a popular podcast there. And you know, Mike, I'm not gonna lie, you uh, you made it out in one piece. You were getting tarred and feathered there for a couple of weeks after last week's episode.
1: Yeah, no, people don't like uh, people don't like that I had that I pick Watson over him. And I told you when we were recording it, I was like, this is gonna piss some people off. I just i like watson i know Dex my team and i love Dak. like i love i just d- watson has that thing you know you're a fan of him i've always been a fan of andrew luck and Wat- oh, now man. that luck's gone watson's like my new non uh dallas cowboy related favorite player so you know I, d- I didn't have a good argument statistically to put up for him but i do like him a lot and uh I apologize to Cowboys Nation for putting them ahead in, in the thing, but I still had deck seventh, four to seven. So I mean in that, you know, not bad.
0: Right. And, you know, Mike, what I think what that says is that people respect your opinion when, you know, they kind of come after you like that and wanna wanna get some answers from you.
1: Yeah, and, and it's cool because you know, we, we talk uh most of the people who are going at me. I'm normally with them, and we're all going at that group of people that's like, Andy Dalton's better, and Dak, we should just let him go and cut him, and me and that whole group always bond together, like, man, y'all crazy, and then to have them turn, like, seven, huh? Huh, Mike, seven? I was like, man, I'm still with y'all. I just, you know, he's, he's that re- four to seven. I, I'm okay with him being anywhere four to seven. One person was even like, you have Lamar Jackson above him. I'm like, well, he won an MVP, man. What do you want me to do?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, we won't get too deep into it, but I think if you listen to the podcast, I feel like we both made a strong case as to why we had who ranked where. And, you know, you have Lamar Jackson in your top five. I had him actually outside of my top five, even outside of the, I mean, excuse me, even after the MVP season there. But, you know, again, I won't get too deep into it, but I feel like we both had good reasons why we had some numbers and we just, when you factor in everything, you know, just what they've done in the playoffs, how long they've been in the league, how long they've been successful and kind of looking at their team situation. I really honestly feel like we had a uh, a good assessment as to why we ranked the players where we did.
1: I agree. It was a lot of fun, man. I, I actually liked going over like how we like we always tell people we don't go back and forth. There's a show sheet, but we don't go back and forth on what we're gonna say or anything so going back and forth with your criteria and what i was thinking when i was doing mine it was really cool and then seeing everybody else come in with like well here's what we think it was nice to get involved it was it was really like a group podcast that me and you led but it ended up becoming a thing on on twitter that was a lot of fun
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think that's why we, we hope that, you know, when people listen, they, they want to offer their feedback and give their insight. And, you know, if you agree with us, that's great. And if you don't agree with us, that's great, too. We're, we're happy to talk to you. And we look forward to the conversations and everything. So, please don't – even if you don't agree with what we, what we talked about, you know, let us know because we're always happy to talk to you.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll mute you if you don't agree with me. Agreement <laughs> 100%. Mute blocked. No, I'm playing
0: Yes, Mike is quick to hit that block button, guys. I've been blocked three or four times by him in here the last couple of months. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But uh, you know, here we are, Mike, and I feel like we've covered a lot of popular off-season topics. Uh, when we talk about the Cowboys, you know, we've talked about the Jamal Adams trade. You wrote an article article about that, and of course, last week we talked about Dak Prescott, and we've covered the 2020 schedule as well, and. You know, we don't want to beat a dead horse. We don't want to continue to talk about the same things over and over. We'd like to provide you guys with some new content, some new things to talk about and think about. So when we were coming up with an idea of this uh, current podcast, uh, episode eight here, um, I had presented Mike with an idea. And he's like, yeah, that doesn't sound too bad. I think I could work with that. And But he suggested something else, which I thought would be good not only for this episode, but for a string of episodes. And here we are. We're going to actually break down the entire NFL. We're going to break them down by by division. And again, I really uh, I thought that Mike had a good idea there where we're going to break down every team from every division. And then here at the end of this series of episodes, we're going to give our Super Bowl predictions. Now, Mike, was there anything that um, inspired this idea for for episodes or content? I mean, what what led you to uh, maybe suggest this? and want to talk about this.
1: Oh, well, mainly because I didn't I don't wanna do a roster a fifty three man roster breakdown yet until we get into some training camps. And I know that's kinda of what everybody's doing. What's the roster battle here, what's the roster battle there? But until I see some people get out there, like how do I make a judgment on on Rondell Carter right now? I mean I just, I, you, you know, you got to see some people before you can go. Oh, he's going to make the team. He got paid this much money. He's going back. So doing it right now just feels early to me. Not that I don't. I like. I've already read plenty of them, and I like a lot of the stuff I read. Um, I just don't feel comfortable doing it because uh, I want it to be as accurate as possible, and I don't believe I can be. I, I believe it'd be too much guessing. So we're going through what can we do and the thought was well what if we break down what our predictions for each division and then we get the records and we go okay here's your four division winners here's the three wild cards from each one and then you do a division and episode and then at the end you know what teams each of us have in the playoffs and then we can kind of go through and say here's our prediction through our playoffs if it ended up working out the way each of us uh had it uh had it predicted and then we can predict our uh our Super Bowl our playoff winners and our Super Bowl winners at the end of everything
0: yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it because uh, you know when we went over the schedule the 2020 Dallas Cowboys schedule we're facing some teams of course that we have familiarity with and then we're also facing some teams that we haven't seen in a long time and uh, these teams that we haven't seen in a long time uh, have made a lot of improvements since we did last see them. So uh, it's always important to know your opponent. And I, I think this gives will give our audience a good way to uh, see how we feel about the landscape, if you will, of the not just the NFC but the AFC and to see how we the Cowboys size up against some of these other teams.
1: I'm trying to force Chandler and uh, uh, congratulations to Chandler, by the way, funny story i'm nagging him on our group chat to get on hey get on and make your pick on the mock draft get on and get your team set up and he's uh he's uh proposing <laughs> on that oops uh yeah I th- go ahead sorry uh,
0: no i was gonna say i think that's the first time anybody's ever proposed to his future bride and gene short so congratulations to chandler there i uh you know big deal big uh, accomplishment for chandler and um Happy for the guy, man. He deserves it all.
1: Yeah, I agree, man. And I'm trying to get him and Cheese Doodle Dad to listen to our podcast. And I figure eventually we get to the AFC North uh, where they are more uh, inclined than us even. And maybe they'll listen and go, these two are a bunch of schmucks and don't know anything. Or they'll go, hey, they broke the division down pretty good for Cowboys fans.
0: Yes, of course, where we... I think we've proven to our audience, Mike, that we, we put our, aside our Cowboys bias and really try to give a fair assessment and analysis of how we feel about not just the Cowboys, but about every team. And man, you know, what? I believe it was episode three or four when we were just talking about the first four weeks of the 2020 schedule. I mean, we were saying we wouldn't be surprised if we went one and three, given the competition that we're facing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah, it's rough. And going, uh, uh, I know Cleveland's actually in that. You have Atlanta. And then um, the two that we know uh, more, Rams and Seahawks, who have been kind of playoff battles with us lately. But, um, yeah, those the, that early, especially not the, the whole COVID thing, not knowing what's going on makes it uh, hard. So I'm trying to get out of that two and two as of right now. That That's my hope.
0: Right, exactly. Uh, that is kind of we we said that if we could come out of there two and two, we'd feel pretty happy. Of course, we'd want to go three and one and four and oh, but given the competition and just with everything going on and the traveling and all those things, that two and two, we we could kind of hang our hats there, given the competition.
1: Yeah, I agree. The travel is uh, is hard. Connecting it to what we're doing now, I think we're starting with the NFC West. And of the teams that I've gone over so far through our schedule and through the NFC West, Rams by far have been beaten with a stick in uh, areas of their travel schedule. Is like it feels unfair. Like it's that it's that hard in a couple of parts of their schedule. So uh, you know that's one thing that I do that all the time going over Dallas teams, but this is the first time I've been doing it for. Um, this is the first one, not the first time, the first one that I've done other than Dallas's and the teams we face. So it's been interesting to see how the other teams uh, are getting beat up uh, this year with their travel schedule and stuff.
0: Right. And it's funny you mentioned the Rams because that's who we're actually starting off with here. And in 2019 they were nine and seven. Unfortunately, they missed the playoffs for the first time in the Sean McVay era. And according to CBS, it doesn't real look real easy for them, Mike. They actually have the tenth hardest strength of schedule. Uh, Mike, talk to us a little bit about the uh, Rams' off season.
1: Well, they had a a lot. This team of the NFC West, this is the team that had the most um, turnover. They, uh, of course, lost Gurley. You know, when you lose, that's like a the name for the team. Aaron Donald defense, Gurley and offense, you lose him. They lost their edge rusher and, uh Fowler. Corey Littleton signed with the Raiders. Nicole Roby Coleman, uh, their uh, nickelback, went to the Eagles. Clay Matthews, the free agent. Zerline went to us. Thank you very much, uh, new special teams coach. They tried to bring in some people. Um, Leonard Floyd. Uh, they have him at linebacker. I'm assuming they're gonna try to move him to play Dante Fowler's spot because their edge is looking yikes. Uh, they have the rookie Terrell Lewis coming in, but not not a great edge situation to go with uh, uh Alshon Robinson who the A. Robinson who they brought in and Brockers and Aaron Donald. Um, they're good in the middle, but the outside. And then they had a couple of uh. The draft picks, man, I like their draft. They brought in Cam Akers. so that, I love Van Jefferson. He, I, I, He's one of my favorites in the whole draft, of wide receiver. I think it was a steal where they got him. Burgess, another really good pick who they can use right now to replace uh, uh, Roby Coleman in the nickel, but could play safety also. Um, and then they got Hopkins. Now they have tight ends, so I'm assuming Hopkins is more of a Uh, sit and let him build because they have two already that they're having trouble throwing out they had to they had to increase their two tight end sets by so much at the end of the year because those two were killing people but that's some of the additions and uh uh, uh, losses and the additions they brought in to replace the guys they lost there's a lot of turnover on the rams
0: I'm curious, Mike, what are your thoughts on um, them trying to replace Wade Phillips? You know, I would imagine that won't be an easy task. Wade Phillips has always had success as a coordinator uh, when you look at um, just given his record on teams that he's he's gone and been the defensive coordinator for. Uh, do you think that the Rams defense could could be in trouble without Wade Phillips this year?
1: I think um, they, they have some issues for sure. The thing about Wade Phillips is he has a two three year window with teams if you look at his priors he'll have uh his first couple years of the team will be elite defensively and then he'll have a year or two where he kind of falls off i don't know if it's from teams getting used to what he's calling and he's not switching stuff up enough or what but um uh, last year wasn't a great year for him i understand why they moved on but, man, they have they have good DTs. I think their their defensive backs could be hit and miss because they're young, along with Jalen Ramsey and Taylor Rapp's second year, and he's good, but he's still young. Their, their edge rush is poor. They're going to need a lot of help there. Um, I don't love their linebackers, especially if their plan is to play Leonard Floyd at a non-pass rushing linebacker position. I don't like that at all. I think they definitely will have a average season at best. This is not looking like an elite team, especially with McVeigh not having a a hand the ball off thirty carries type of guy now, where he can keep the defense off the field, keep him fresh. He's going to have to rely more on throwing with Goff, and um, you know he's really good offensively, but. Can he protect the defense? I I don't know if he could do that, and that may end up hurting them.
0: So when you look at the Rams, you know, we've talked about their offense, their defense, and the uh, changes on the coaching staff. And looking at their schedule, do you see them as a playoff team in 2020?
1: I don't. I have them just – and it's funny because the first time I ran through, I always run through three times. The first time I ran through, I had them – Uh, tied with Seattle and winning the wild card because they swept Seattle. One thing about their schedule, which I'll go over when we go over Seattle's, but they have favorable matchups against, uh, against Seattle. But I don't have them making it because the schedule lays out. I'll break it down a little bit in a second. But the schedule lays out so tough for them that I see it taking a toll early and then late when it gets favorable, I just don't see them getting enough steam and enough wins to climb back in in the division that has teams like Seattle and and 49ers in it and, and Arizona's up and coming roster so it, it's rough
0: right that NFC West is looking pretty difficult when you just think about the Rams you mentioned the Cardinals and of course the Seahawks who we'll be talking about next I mean there's you could you can see a scenario where you know the Seahawks are Almost a guarantee to make the playoffs, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Arizona was able to sneak in there at the uh, second wild card spot, and you know maybe win a playoff game, or or you know they just get hot and you know they kind of makes make a nice little run there in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I don't have a single team from this division under five hundred. Wow, How crazy is that? Yeah, yeah, that's this is a good division.
0: Well, when you talk about the division, Mike, and let's talk about another team. Here come the Seattle Seahawks. And in 2019, they were 11-5. and They made it to the playoffs. They beat the Eagles in the wild card. And unfortunately, they lost to Green Bay in the divisional matchup. And in 2020, they're actually – their strength of schedule is tied for the 13th most difficult. Uh, What are your thoughts here on the Seahawks offseason? It always seems that they're having to either rebuild their defense or coaching staff, or they always seem to be in a – a light rebuild mode if you will and somehow some way they always find a way to uh to have success and you know you got to give credit to pete carroll and of course russell wilson there when that they don't always have the the best drafts it seems like but somehow some way they're they're always competitive talk to us a little bit about the uh the seahawks in 2020
1: yeah coach quarterback combo means so much in this league and uh uh, Pete Carroll gets killed sometimes for his uh, not allowing Russell Wilson to kind of go crazy. But I think the reason is he understands that his defense isn't what it was. And so he's leaning on keeping the possessions down and letting Russell Wilson win games at the end of games and not allowing the defense to get, um, what would it be, uh, where they start to get abused a little bit. They get uh, – if they're on the field too much, you know, per procession, uh efficiency could get beat up if they're on there too much because they don't have a great roster. They just don't. I mean, obviously we love Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, but their their team overall isn't like the the killers, the Sherman's, the the Cam's, the Earl Thomas's, the Michael Bennett's. You know, those guy those guys have gone and they need to to protect them now. So it's a smart way he plays. He, he makes sure to play in a way that, that keeps the game close and, and people hate it, especially a lot of people that, that like Jason Garrett, because it's a very Jason Garrett esque style, except right. for Pete Carroll uh, is actually good at it. And um, you go through, like they make smart little, like I didn't love where they got Jordan Brooks, but I understand what they're doing. Bobby Wagner, KJ, uh, kj Wright are getting older you have shaquille griffin um uh going in at cornerback and his brother is not another uh linebacker they can go through there but uh you know refill replenish that they bring in daryl taylor hoping he can bring some stuff off the edge they got collier last year and they hope he comes back from uh injury because they have the big run you know big bodies jerron reed and Puna ford in the middle that can make stops and free up those linebackers so they can play fast. And the idea is don't let them get worn down. So, you know, get get the run game going. Let Russell Wilson make plays. You bring in a, a Greg Olson, red zone target. Uh, you know what he can do if he's healthy. If he's not healthy, you have guys like Luke Wilson who can come into play. You draft a guy like Steven Sullivan for a couple of years from now when Olson is is uh retired. You bring in a Philip Dorsett to try to add some speed in the slot to go with Tyler Lockett and and DK Metcalf. You know he he uh, he's really smart, and the team is at putting together what they need to week in and week out come out with a game plan to allow Russell Wilson to get some Ws, and that's the key. And you have a quarterback like that, you have a chance. You know, you give him a chance to make plays. And you have enough veterans on defense that they know how to make plays and they use that crowd, which we don't know how that's going to be this year. But they know how to use that crowd. And you just, no matter what, you look at the overall roster and you may think, eh, but they know how to use it. Their their coaching is a plus coaching. And they get you wins with that coaching staff and the way they go at the game.
0: Well, that's perfectly said, Mike. And, you know, we'll go over, over here a little bit you brought up Jason Garrett and you talk about Pete Carroll, you know, what do you think it is that a guy like Pete Carroll, who, you know, the front office hasn't always made the best draft picks, hasn't always, um, you know, signed the, made the splashiest signings in free agency has probably lost more talent than they've, they've gained over the years, but yet he somehow, some way just regardless of who, who they bring in, you know, regardless of who they are off the field and things like that, maybe who they were in the past, he somehow is always getting a guy to, to buy in and to play hard and to work hard and to have success. Whereas it seemed like Jason Garrett, you know, he kind of preached that mentality and, you know, one of that from his guys. But, you know, we saw there in 2019 that the guys just, for the most part, just quit on him. And we even saw Jason Garrett take a a lack of accountability there um, after a a, a decision made by Tavon Austin there in the Minnesota Vikings game. What do you think is, is the difference in Pete Carroll and Jason Garrett?
1: Well, Pete Carroll's just better. I mean, let's just be honest. He's just he's a Super Bowl winner. I've been to two. Jason Garrett has never made his team better than the talent it has. And Pete Carroll is elite at making his team better than the talent he has. He's one of the best at it. Um, I think that's a lot of the reason they have a lot of uh, roster turnover is because a coach like that can get very, uh, we've heard the rah-rah before. But the way they right. turn over their roster, they keep a few guys that they know can be the leaders that can spread the message. And then they let you know people go and rotate in and, and fill in the new people and uh and the message is fresh to them. And he he just does better. He knows how to attack. One of the things that I hate is is the we do what we do, like mentality of it doesn't matter, we're gonna play this and we'll match up. Well, no, you need to try to give your team advantages within the game. You can't just, oh, we have a good offensive line, so run the ball on first down, and, and it'll work eventually because we're just talented. No, if they know what's coming, they know what they're doing, you don't try to, to attack the team at their weakness, then it's not going to work out. I don't care how good your team is. And I think it showed last year when people always talk about where well, we beat up the good teams, and I mean the bad teams and the good teams beat us, well yeah, if the good if a team's really good roster and they can look and go oh they're running like literally Gilmore was like I picked that ball off when he picked off Amari Cooper that one time. He's like I knew they were running this play because they don't they don't that's what they run in that. So he's like I'll just right. undercut it. I know they're not going to switch it up. Well, that's bad coaching. It just is. You you should be able to to do some things different adjustments, you know, each week and not like Oh, in division games, we try to trick people with it. No, every week you should be implementing something specific to the team you're facing. And we just didn't do a good job of doing that at head coach on the defense, any of it. It just, it was bad. And Pete Carroll's not that way. He's opposite. He's very good. He does what he does, but he knows how to put in wrinkles.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think we've talked a lot about Russell Wilson on this podcast and, I think we've talked a little bit about Pete Carroll and what he's been able to do. And, you know, he had all that success at USC. And to see him have success in the NFL, it's not something that is very common. You know, seeing a college coach come to the NFL and have the success that Pete Carroll's had. So, you know, uh, kudos to uh, Carroll and Russell Wilson. You know, it's, it's fun to watch them play. And you hate to go against them, but you love to watch them play.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm a big fan of Russell Wilson. I can't stand him because I hate the Seahawks because the rivalry and everything, but he, it just is what it is. You can't not respect him. He's, He's a great player.
0: Absolutely. And well, Mike, we've talked about the Rams who, of course, the Cowboys play. We've talked about the Seahawks and again, the Cowboys have to play the Seahawks this year. Well, here come the 49ers, and again, this is another team that the Cowboys have to play. You know, we saw them in 2019. They go 13-3 and and make it all the way to the Super Bowl, only to come up short. And here in 2019, excuse me, 2020, their strength of schedule is the uh, fourth most difficult. The NFL didn't really do them any favors this year. Uh, Talk talk to us a little bit about the 49ers offseason, Mike.
1: Uh, it's crazy. This, this was a difficult one because teams have Super Bowl hangovers. And I went in going, okay, tough schedule, right? You know, fourth, uh, fourth toughest. They lose DeForest Buckner and Emmanuel Sanders. And as good as the rookies are that they brought in, Kinlaw and, and Brandon Ayuk, it's still going to be a fallout. Kinlaw is not going to be DeForest Buckner's first year. Brandon Ayuk's not going to be Emmanuel Sanders, one of the most underrated receivers in football um, this year. So they're going to take a little dip there, but they didn't really change anything else. So they were able to fill their two big uh, missing holes. And, uh, and I just couldn't get to where I couldn't have them as the division winners. I broke down the schedule. I I tried to get it in and get like, okay, well, what do you, you know, are they going to have a letdown? Is this team going to play there? But the division's just too good. That I can't see a team coming in with that mindset of, okay, we need to get back to the Super Bowl. Because a lot of times when you, the Super Bowl letdown has to do with you don't want to play the next year. You're trying to get back to just get me to the playoffs. Give me that run back to the Super Bowl. And it ends up you, you miss out during the week, during the weeks of the season. You're not up to your tip top. Not this division coming in, there's just no way you could do that. You're going to have to come in like, okay, we got to get going because we're going to have brutal games versus all these teams two times each. So I, I have them uh, getting past uh, beating Seattle by a game and winning the division again, even though weirdly I have them dropping off. So I have them taking a drop off yet still winning the division and having one of the best records. So that tells you how well constructed that team is and coached. Right, Mike,
0: you, you mentioned their off-season losses and draft picks, and the, the players they did lose, I don't think they made that big of an impact to where their replacements can can't kind of fill that void, and that's no disrespect to force Buckner or to Emmanuel Sanders. It's just you, you think about how that team's built and the head coach, you you would imagine that they he's going to find a way to, uh, you know, put those guys in a position to succeed and We've seen it time and time again. I mean, we saw what Shanahan was able to do with a uh, backup QB, you know, putting up averaging 300 yards per game passing. It just uh, says a lot about him. And you know, it's funny you say that you're predicting a drop off for them in 2020, but still them winning the uh, the division that does really say a lot about the 49ers
1: and how they're built and the organization itself. Yeah, they're they're stout man stouts a good word they're just loaded up they have they have good uh, you know their wide receivers aren't names that we all know but i trust kyle shanahan to get them open we know the tight end the offensive line solid jimmy uh uh jimmy g's fine at quarterbacks no problem there uh tevin coleman and raheem mostert in that system will get the job done that won't be a d- big deal they have a great fullback the line is just the defensive lines, just disgusting, even without DeForest Buckner, which is why they were able to trade him. They're linebackers. They have Greenlaw and they have um, uh, K1 Alexander, uh, even defensive back, which is their lowest. They Richard Sherman's an all time. Great. And, uh, and I like Jimmy Ward and they, um, they even have like guys like Jason Barrett can come in and play like, I understand, you know, you don't want them every game or you, like, have to rely on them, but they just have people everywhere that they know how to put the team together. Um, John Lynch did such a great job. So I was actively going in going, okay, Super Bowl hangover. How do I get them, you know, on on a drop-off? Let's be as critical as we can during the games. And they have the fourth toughest schedule, but they probably have the easiest... Uh, travel and like um um the less unique schedule of everyone, and I know we'll go over the schedules here in a little bit for all the teams, but they have a a schedule that's just not as bad as Seattle Rams and Arizona,
0: right? And so I am curious, Mike. Um, you you talked about how every team in this division will be uh you predict over five hundred. I'm curious. How many how many wins do you have this, the 49ers getting this year?
1: I have them at 11-5. and five.
0: Oh, okay. Well, wow. you know, you can't be mad at a season like that, especially if you're considering that to be a drop-off.
1: Yeah, isn't that crazy? Like, I don't think the team will be as good as they were last year. But I still have them winning one of the toughest divisions in football, making the playoffs, uh, as of right now, um, going over they're in, um, they're in line to be the number one seed. The thing is is when I did our schedule, I had us at 11 and five and us beating them.
0: So right. as
1: of this second, I have us ahead of them for the one. So you know, I, I want to get the final, you know, the final breakdown before, but as of right now, Uh, I have Cowboys 11-5, Niners 11-5, but us beating them so we would have that tie break.
0: And it's funny, Mike, you know, you mentioned that uh, the uh, 49ers and Cowboys matchup, and I remember when we were doing our schedule breakdown, I was I I pretty much had just told myself, you know, Mike has this circled as an L, and when we were talking about it, and you actually had us beating them, I'll I'll never forget that, just because, I don't know, again, you, you mentioned earlier in the pod how we have a show sheet that we go over, however, you and I don't we don't share our notes and what we think and obviously what we're going to say and things like that. And I'm still just surprised that you, uh, you had that circled as a victory.
1: I like our matchup there. I like our quarterback. I think where they where we're weak on defense. They are not strong. And I think where they're strong on defense, we're very strong to counter act that. And so I just like how we match up. And then if it comes down to uh, Dak you know, and Jimmy G at the end, I'm I'm taking Dak, and I, I understand some people will take Jimmy G. That's fine. I've seen the 49ers uh, win by taking the ball away from Jimmy Garoppolo to end the season and through play, the playoffs, you know. So I'm going to trust Dak over him, although I like Jimmy G. I think he's solid on a team like this. I think he's he's good to go. Uh, he can win a Super Bowl with them. But I like Dak more. I think uh if Dak was on that team in the Super Bowl, I think they beat um Kansas City. I think they hold that lead.
0: Oh wow, Mike with the uh, the hot take here. hmm I yep. like it. You know, I, I can't really argue with you there. We we've seen Dak's late game late game heroics over the years, and that's no disrespect to Jimmy G, but you know, I'd have to agree. I think if if Dak is playing in the Super Bowl, you know, the most important game of his career. Uh, I'd imagine he'd find a way to to get that done. And, you know, we've we've seen him do it in the past. So I, I like that take, Mike, and I'd have to agree with you.
1: Yeah, that uh that I know it's controversial, everybody's, but I'm just saying you put him in, you put him in that situation where he's got where he's got the Niners team and they've got that lead. And I just don't see him not coming away with that you know I know it's a very limited uh compared to what would it be if he started the game well we don't know but I'm saying they had that lead the defense gave it up and uh Jimmy G wasn't able to do anything to keep that from happening and I think Dak would have that's just my opinion
0: right so you know if you're a 49ers fan and you're you're listening to today's episode please don't uh don't think that we're coming after Jimmy Jimmy G or that we don't like Jimmy G or you know, think he's a good player. It's just, we uh, we've seen um, up front and we've seen a lot of plays from Dak and, you know, we, we know what kind of QB he is. And I, you know, just speaking only for myself, I haven't really seen a lot of uh, late game heroics from, from Jimmy G. I mean, he's had the, a lot of benefit of playing with good coaches and we haven't seen him start too much either. He's had a little bit of an issue with, injuries himself and last year was the first year he was able to stay healthy for all sixteen games and you know we're happy to see that but uh to to say that he's better than Dak, I, I personally I, I can't say that and I, I can't um agree with anybody who does think
1: that. Yeah, I yeah, I'm not putting him above Dak, Dak Prescott was top five in like everything last year analytically. He had vet top in value added. He was sixth in uh, value added per play just he's he, he had a crazy year last year i know the record is disappointing but there's a reason the coaches are all gone and we're changing defensive schemes and we're and we actually got a real special teams coach and a kicker uh you know that's, that's there's a reason that that's that doesn't reflect all on dak prescott as you know we're we're going back to last podcast sorry
0: <laughs> no problem. I know. Just anytime uh, we hear the word Dak, we're we're ready to uh, roll our sleeves up and maybe go go toe to toe with somebody there. But let's uh, let's try to stay on topic here. And you know, Mike, here come the Arizona Cardinals, and it just dawned on me. Of course, we're another Cowboys opponent because we are facing the NFC West this year. So of course, we're going to face all four teams. But yeah, we're facing the Arizona Cardinals again and the 2019 they were 5 and 10 they missed the playoffs of course thankfully though actually excuse me not thankfully the NFL didn't really do them any favors either they have they are tied for the eighth most difficult schedule in 2020 um Mike did you did you like or dislike anything about the Arizona Cardinals 2020 offseason
1: oh i don't know they they um I don't think they really did anything important. No real big trades. They didn't bring in anybody great. Like maybe the best wide receiver in football for a running back who did nothing for two years and a second round pick. That's executive of the year stuff right there. Yep. And then they go into the, the, uh, the only real loss they had on the roster too was, uh, was David Johnson of, of consequence. And really he didn't do anything for him. And then they go into the draft, they add Isaiah Simmons, maybe the best player in the draft. I mean, it, it's possible. I, I would say young, but I have no I wouldn't argue with somebody saying Isaiah Simmons was the best. I have him written down under position as utility, because you can just play him wherever you want. He's, he's that kind of player. safety, slot corner. You want him to blitz? Sure, middle linebacker, OK. Just he could play he's just such a weapon. They steal Josh Jones at offensive tackle, and they even get nose tackle Leaky Foto, who Cowboys fans who have been wanting a nose tackle for a long time were uh, loving that player. Now, we brought in Don Terry Poe, so no big deal, but they did some work. They did a good job in draft. They brought in DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you're hoping Josh Jones can come in early because they need to keep uh, Tyler Murray on his feet. That offensive line was not great. And you're hoping that uh, helps, but I like what they're done. I think that, I think they're on the rise.
0: Yeah. Kind of similar to what we've seen with the 49ers there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They put in a, they, they didn't lose a lot. They brought in a good uh, player. They don't quite have the talent yet that Niners have uh, accumulated, especially that, that just, everywhere really but that defensive line that the niners have is like game changing oh. but i mean if zach allen takes a, a step forward and leaky foe too can plug up the middle and they have um isaiah simmons blitzing and probably the most underrated pass rusher in a decade and chandler jones like just i don't know 12 sacks every year like he he that he is not even talked about with khalil mack and vaughn miller and every year he's up there. Every time, and it's just because he's in Arizona. So he was in New England, and everybody said, "Well, yeah, the system. Everybody in New England in that spot does does well." Then he goes down to the Cardinals, where nobody knows he's there, and he destroys every year. But he's not mentioned because he plays for Arizona.
0: I and mean, you now, Mike, we're we're talking about the uh, Cardinals here, and you know, you brought out some really good points about their defense. But when you think about the uh, the head coach there, uh, forgive me, I'm drawing a blank. Um,
1: Cliff Kingsbury.
0: Cliff Kingsbury, yes. The uh, He had that iconic photo of him on draft night and that beautiful, I guess, uh, was that was Cliff Kingsbury in that uh, photo where he's just like in this all glass house it looked like in his living room and you kind of see the palm trees and everything. Um, next to a fire pit, you know, just living his best life there. But when you think about the uh, Cardinals offense, you know, they have Kyler Murray, they bring in DeAndre Hopkins, and they, they add it to the offensive line. Do you think that uh, that offense is on the up and up? And what are your thoughts there on Kyler Murray? Uh,
1: I love Kyler Murray. Big arm, mobile. He's what you need nowadays in a, in a quarterback. Um, he's just going to get better. Uh, He, he's, you know, most things that young he runs himself into some sacks and with the offensive line, like he had, I, I don't blame him. You know, you're worried about getting hit almost right away. His footwork's inconsistent. It's all stuff that when people thought Dak was terrible and this and that, I'm like, you have to rebuild that stuff. Not everybody's Aaron Rodgers and gets four years to rebuild their footwork and their throwing motion and gets to learn how to see the field and the playbook. And, you know, he's got to do all that stuff that young quarterbacks have to do, but man, he'd be up there with one of my guys that, okay, pin him up now, you know, because he's going to be guy that goes, and then you look, man, his receiving core, you know, Cowboys receiving core lamb uh, Gallup and Cooper nasty. But afterwards I I would take like their fifth guy over our third guy. They have, they have a Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, a Keyshawn Johnson, Hakeem Butler. I mean, their receiving core is like six deep. It's it's crazy. Give me one of those, dude. Can I get a – Can well, I like Christian Kirk. But Keyshawn Johnson, he's Fresno State. I love him. You know, that's my guy. I knew he was going to get drafted. He was going to do well. And he had a good rapport with Kyler Murray in the first year, but – Now, I don't know how often he's going to see the field. I mean, there's just, you have four guys. When are you going to take Larry Fitzgerald, Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and Andy Isabel off the field? How many times are you going to play five wide? And then even in red zone, Hakeem Butler is a big target you're going to put in. So how about they just uh, release Keyshawn Johnson, Dallas picks him up. He can play the third, (laughs) the fourth wide for us. That would work.
0: Well, hey, we we don't want anybody getting fired here on the podcast, but if uh, Keyshawn Johnson were to be let go and the Cowboys picked him up, it sounds like Mike would be pretty happy
1: about that. Fresno State on Cowboys, and he can actually play damn good player for where he was drafted. I'd love it.
0: You think he eats a lot of Fresno State corn, Mike?
1: Fresno State corn. Fresno State corn is a hell. Yes, he does. Anybody from <laughs> Fresno, we all know Fresno State corn. We all know it.
0: Well, so, Micah, you know, outside of the uh, Cowboys game, is there a game on here that caught your eye against the Cardinals that, you know, could be one of those defining moment games, kind of like what we saw or were hoping to see last year with the uh, Cowboys and Patriots? Is there a game that you say, okay, this game could kind of make or break their season and we could get a, a, a true um, – I guess, uh, a, a proper, you know, I'm just drawing a blank here, Mike, but is there is there a defining moment game here on the schedule for the Cardinals?
1: I have the Cardinals keys down, and uh, I have three big keys in the schedule that uh, that I think, um, you know, when I was going over it, like, hit me, you know, that I was like, okay, these are important. I know I have them starting off 0-1, but then winning four straight. So they lose oh, the okay. Raiders, and then they have the skins, the lions at Carolina at jets. I think those are all winnable and I think they will win them. I like how the uh, schedule works out for them. It's not too uh, crazy travel wise. Um, then there's the Cowboys game, which is we talked about in ours. This is just brutal. They play three straight on the road. They got to go at Carolina, then at the jets, then at Dallas, where Dallas is at three straight at home, they have Browns, Giants, and then, and then us. And then uh, the other uh, setups that I like, they ha- they're set up well for the Dolphins-Bills games. Um, if you look at the Dolphins game, they're coming off a bye where Miami has to travel all the way cross-country to Arizona. And then the Bills game, uh, Bills travel cross-country, you know, East Coast to West Coast. And the cards have four straight weeks uh where they're uh at home. They play at home against Seattle, then they have a bye week, then they have Miami at home, and now bills are traveling all the way out there.
0: So, oh wow, okay.
1: Um, I really like that. They get a tough Thursday night game that kind of is is messed up. They have to play they play Sunday and then uh travel to Seattle for the Thursday night. Thursday night road games are so brutal. Uh, I have them losing out five of the last seven to go eight and eight, but I think they're going to jump out to an early start. Um, have you gone over? What's your, what, what was your record for the Cardinals this year? Have you gone over their schedule?
0: You know what, Mike? I, when I did the notes, you know, I know that we are actually recording this podcast about a, a week late, actually, due to some technical difficulties. I hadn't really gone over the schedule. I, I meant to do that, and I knew I was forgetting something today because I did a, a work a little bit before the podcast and I, uh, you know, I forgot to look over their schedule to give them a uh, a record or my predictive record for the 2020 season. I, you know, you are the brains of the operation. So I,
1: I was hoping you'd cover, you'd cover for me here. Oh, you know, as far as yapping, I talk 80% of the time. So that's not a problem. <laughs> what well, we'll have you do is when we drop it, you can just put your prediction of the records on the, uh, when you drop the podcast and then we'll have them both. And that way, when we go through at the end, we can see where you had your playoffs and then who I have making my playoffs. You just can't steal mine. You have to be different. Now,
0: you know, I'll, I'll try to be as different as possible. Uh, you know, I, your depth of knowledge, Mike is, um, is so valuable. And I, you know, I, I definitely respect your opinion and that's why we're doing this podcast together but yeah, I'll definitely be on, a, on my toes from here on out. And, uh, you know, for some reason, I guess it was just a misunderstanding on my point. I guess I thought that we were going to uh, not necessarily give each team break down the uh, their season and then give them an end of season record. I guess that was just a, a misunderstanding on my part. I thought we were just going to talk about the teams and then go, uh, you know, predict who was going to win this division and then. You know, at the end of this series of podcasts that we're doing, we're going to predict who we thought made it to the Super Bowl. So gotcha,
1: I'm gotcha. Gonna make
0: sure to be better prepared next week. Well, but, well you know, when we
1: tell people that we don't, you know, we get a show sheet, but we don't tell each other what we're saying, you know, right. we want it to be more like the kind of back where it's not a scripted like, hey, this, this, you know, we want it to be a here's what I think. Oh, that's what you oh, what what led you to that? You know, that kind of thing. So sometimes something like that happens. no big deal.
0: Right. And, um, you know, I, I thought uh, also we were going to um, here. you know, now that we're getting to the end of the division, we were going to say who we think is going to win this division. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yes. I was going to go. Uh, I don't know if you're up for it, but I have some key games on the schedules for the Rams, uh, Seahawks, and Niners kind of give them an idea of why I have them at the records I do. And then uh, as you guys know, I picked Niners to, to win the division 11 and five, but uh, um, I can break the, the, uh, the schedules down and give my record prediction. And then when you drop the pod, you can put yours so people can go back and forth and see uh, what, what you think and what I think. And then we can uh, have that discussion with the uh, fans too
0: right you know what Mike I, I'm realizing now I kind of I got a bit ahead of myself I I had forgotten that every time we talked about a team you wanted to uh, talk about some key games and then you were wanting to uh, give your your record or maybe your you know um, share your key notes on um, you know their season what what games you think could be uh, make kind of make or break if you will for for those teams. So I do apologize there. So let us rewind a bit. Well, you know, since we're already here, we're talking about the Cardinals. You you talked about the Buffalo Bills game and you talked about that kind of tough stretch of games where they're doing a lot of traveling. Was that just kind of your, your important notes, kind of how you, uh, you were factoring into their eight and eight record. Were those your, your um, moments of, uh, of the fight of, you know, you know, de- determining what their record was going to be.
1: Yeah. See, so so when it starts off, when they start off with the with the four uh, and one early start, that's kind of where the good part of the schedule is before it kind of breaks a little harsh for them. You know, with the Cowboys and 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 it goes through, and then you get um uh, the Dolphins, Bills, or better setups for them. But the end where they go five of seven, it, it the competition is really tough, and then they just have. They have brutal games in there. They 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 have that tough Sunday night game with Seattle, and it, and it it doesn't work out well for them at the end of the year. And uh, it's funny because the NFC West got a lot of that. They got a lot of um brutal, and then super light, and then brutal. And it's where a lot of teams will it'll break down like oh they have a tough stretch here where somebody's off ten days and they have to travel. But these were like they get three, four weeks of yikes. How are they going to win and survive these four weeks? And then three weeks of, oh, this isn't so bad. You know, they'll, they'll be able to play their best football here. And it went like that almost every team.
0: Right. And it sounds like, you know, you mentioned that you have the Cardinals going eight and eight and they're it's pretty unlikely that that record is going to be good enough to make it to the playoffs you know, the, uh a game that I'm excited to see when we talk about the Cardinals, i like to see them going up against the Bills. I think that'll be an exciting game when you have Kyler Murray going up against Josh Allen and that Buffalo Bills defense.
1: Yeah, I agree. And that, um, uh, like I said, having that where they don't really have to leave their their area for four straight weeks. So Bills, you know, Cardinals are sitting there. Played a home game, got to buy, played a home game, playing another home game against the Bills, and Bills got to travel. So they're playing their schedule and then coming cross country to Arizona. So maybe, you know, you look at the rosters and you think, well, Buffalo's is a playoff team. They made the playoffs in the AFC East, which, you know, with New England is not easy. It means you have to be good enough to win a wild card. And uh, you would look at the matchup and think, ah, oh, Bills probably have an advantage there, but. With the travel schedule, I actually like Arizona in that spot. That That's kind of how I break stuff down is We're more it. that way than just breaking down each team. Oh, this team's better than this team overall in Madden, so they're going to win or lose. You know, I, I don't really go that way.
0: Well, you know, Mike, um, let's talk a little bit about the 49ers. You, you kind of spoiled it a bit. You said that you had them going 11-5 and five and winning the division and actually being the number one overall seed in the NFC. What were your your key notes and your your breakdown there of the 49ers schedule?
1: The key to the 49ers schedule for me is it starts off 6-0. and They just oh, have a wow. nice – Yeah. They get the Cardinals at home. They get uh, a game against the Jets. They got the Giants. They play the Eagles, which will be tough, but they they get a good favorable travel schedule there. Dolphins, and then the Rams, and the Rams, when we get to the Rams, I'll tell you, they, they just come in off brutal schedules. I feel so bad. Honestly, I, you know, I have them at 9-7, and seven, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're beat up by the travel schedules and they only win six or seven games. That's how hard their schedule is. Oh, my. Um, yeah, it, it's tough. Uh, So, they start off 6-0, and and then they run into back-to-back games against New England and Seattle. In the New England game, Pats are coming off a bye, which – you give bill Belichick a bye; it's almost death and then Niners off a short week and they have to travel cross country. So they play a, a, I believe that's the Sunday night game. And then they travel all the way to new England, to see Patriots off a bye. That's brutal. And then in the Seattle game, they've got to go all the way back from new England to Seattle. Uh, and Seattle's been on the West coast, three straight games. They play the Vikings at their house. They travel down to Arizona, which isn't too terrible. And then they go back home for the Niners. So that's a, that's tough man to ask the Niners to go all the way over, play a tough team like new England, fly all the way back to Seattle who's sitting there waiting for you. Um, I like their game against green Bay. They got green Bay as a road Thursday night game. It's always one of the hardest things, such a short week. And they, and the other team has to travel to you, uh, The Bills and the Skins game, big disadvantages for them. The Bills have to travel to Arizona. Then they go back home to Buffalo for a game. Then to San Francisco, while 49ers are back-to-back games on the West Coast. So imagine the Bills, you fly all the way out to Arizona to play a game. And that's tough. People will tell you, you know, uh, people who do bets tell you cross-country trips, especially West Coast teams to East, but even the other way are hard. So then they're going back home And then traveling all the way back out to San Francisco. The Bills so far in the games versus the NFC West have been screwed over a little bit. Um, As far as the uh, skins, they got to go to Pittsburgh, then go all the way cross country to San Francisco. And San Francisco is playing their third straight West Coast game. So, you know, it, it, it works out. The schedule, you know, we said they were the top fourth hardest schedule. But if you look how it breaks down, their travel and the way they set up off their buys and stuff is easier than the other three teams. So even though the teams they face had better records, I like Niners schedule the best out of the uh, four teams. I do have them taking a dip at the end because they play us and I have us winning and then they split the last um, division games to, to end one and two and kind of go into pl- the playoffs on a downer. But they're 11 and five in the division winner, so they'll live.
0: Well, Mike, man, I've I got tired just hearing you talking about the uh, 49ers schedule with all that traveling there and the fact that they're doing all of that and you have them at 11 and five and even going, um, you know, heading into the playoffs, kind of limping a bit. And you still have them favored as the uh, number one overall seed and you have them favored here in the West. I'm kind of scared to hear you break down the uh, Seahawks schedule.
1: Seahawks have have. They're, they're not as tough, but they've got some stuff they you know the disadvantages they have are kind of at bad times because the teams they face it could hurt them but um I know they get a good uh, they get a good deal early and they because New England has to travel cross country. it's their first trip. and then the Cowboys game they Cowboys have to start in LA now it's the beginning of the season, but they still have to travel out there open that stadium go all the way back to face Atlanta, and then their longest road trip of the year, Dallas, is to Seattle. So they're doing two West Coast trips in three weeks, which is brutal. I actually have Dolphins upsetting Seattle because of how the schedule uh, uh, disadvantages work out. Um, Seattle could be on a letdown too. I mean, after you play New England and Dallas and you're like, oh, Dolphins, you know but traveling all the way to Miami, the longest uh, travel day for them, and Dolphins have three straight games in Florida. They play uh, Bills at their house, then they go to Jacksonville, and now they so they're sitting there for 3 weeks, cooling in Florida, not having to travel and change time zones. And Seattle's on their longest trip of the week coming off two big games against New England and uh and us. So, so I see uh, upset for dolphins there. Um, they look good for the Niners game. Um, the Niners, it's the one where they're going to new England and coming back. So that's brutal for them. Seattle would be on their third straight West coast game at that point with, uh, Minnesota and, uh, at the Cardinals. Um, Ooh, I looked through, they had a lot of, of important parts more than the other teams. Um, they have the Bills and Rams. The Bills get to stay in the Northeast for four straight games. So they they play at home against Kansas city. Then they go to the jets, which is not a long trip. Then they have new England at their house. And then the Rams come all the way cross country. Uh, the Rams, huh? Seattle comes all the way cross country to play them. So you're talking about a team that that's in one region for four weeks and and another team's got to travel cross country. It just makes it hard. And uh, they play their division rival the week before with the Niners. So I don't like the way that one sets up. The Rams are coming off a bye. Seattle's traveling back from Buffalo. I don't like how that sets up. Um, I do like that they get 11 days rest for Philly. Uh, That's going to negate the travel because they have to go, uh, West Coast to East Coast, you know, to play at Philly. But when you have 11 days rest, you can go a little early. It's not a big deal. And since Philly's coming in from Cleveland, I don't see that as a as a problem as I would have when I first looked at the schedule and go, oh, they got to go cross country to Philly. That's rough. It doesn't look as bad. Um, the real question about it, when I broke down the schedule, is the last two weeks they play um, – they play the Niners and the Rams and one could be for wild card and one could be for division because Niners, 11 to five Seattle, 10 and six Rams, nine and seven. If things like that flip at all, you could be out of the playoffs or you could be the division winner. So uh, it's a Seattle has the, the, the one where I had the most like, damn, I don't know about that. Dang. I don't know about that because the teams are tough and they're so good. But the schedule affects it so much that it was hard to judge which ones I was going to give them W's and which ones I was going to give them L's.
0: So it just kind of sounds like you were factoring a lot more of the human elements when you, in regards to Seattle and uh, what their record was going to be in 2020, based on your predictions.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like I I always like to do that. I like to go in, go remembering that they're human beings. It's just that their schedule set up. Instead of having those like the ones I was talking about with Cardinals and, and Rams where they have like these three, four weeks are really bad. They had a more normal where it was kind of ebb and flow. So it was mm-hmm. harder to go through because, um, you know, we're about to talk about the Rams when you hear theirs, it's brutal. And like Cardinals, you knew like, OK, the game where they play the Cowboys in this, their third straight road game and Cowboys are home three straight. You can go, oh, boom, there's that. Well, they had more Evan, they didn't have crazy games too much like that. You know, they had their, well, they have to travel, you know, to the East Coast and and other teams have to travel to the West Coast because of where they're, the division they're playing in the AFC and where they're located, but it was more Evan flow. It wasn't too crazy that the the league wasn't mean to them like they were the other teams.
0: And so where did you have Seattle? You know, record wise here in 2020. And do you see them as a, a playoff team again?
1: 10 and six, and as of now in the wild card, but I still am ha- doing the NFC South. And the NFC South could have two, three teams. So we just got to wait and see if 10 and six get you in. But right now, Niners won the division, they're in. Dallas won the division, it's in. And I believe Eagles and Seattle were both 10 and six. Uh, and I have well, Seattle beating the Eagles so they would be ahead of them at this moment
0: well Mike let, let's give the listeners something to look forward to let's not spoil it all too much yeah well you kind of touched on it a bit and I was a bit surprised you have the LA Rams winning maybe only six or seven games in 2020 talk to us a little bit about their their schedule is it a lot of tough traveling is this more of a personnel issue what are your thoughts there
1: here's the thing with the rams i did put them at nine and seven because i like their coach i think they're good i did get them that many wins if they won six games i'll not be surprised their schedule is brutal so it starts off i i, I tagged in my notes here i put unique travel scenarios early so you look at the schedule right the rams are playing at buffalo So you're thinking like, oh, they got to travel West Coast. You know, they're playing at Buffalo. That's going to be tough for them. But when you look at the games, they're at Philly the week before. The Bills are in Miami. So travel-wise, the Bills are traveling further than the Rams are for that game because the Rams will just stay on the East Coast after the Philly game. Then you look at the Giants game, and the Giants are at the Rams. So Giants have to fly cross-country, right? Nope. Rams are coming from the Buffalo game. So they're actually going cross country and the giants were at the Niners. So your typical travel advantages switched and, uh, and uh, became in the other team's favor. uh, The first game being in the Rams favor and the giants game, being in the Giants' favor, schedule-wise, when, when you first look at them, you would think, oh, man, they got to go cross-country. That's tough. But that's where you have to look at everyone's schedule to make sure you have to really dive deep into it so you know 100% what's happening there.
0: Wow, well, Mike, you know, I appreciate the breakdown there and uh, the uh, research that you – you did i I really appreciate that i'm I'm, i imagine our audience does as well i'm I'm curious though you think about the rams as we're talking about them now and think about sean mcveigh if the rams were to only win six or seven games could you see could you see sean mcveigh having to find a a head coaching job elsewhere in 2021
1: no just because that the the executives are smart enough to understand um uh, are smart enough to understand that that the schedule this year is so brutal. They the the Niners games. Okay, I'm um, uh, just the first game. The Niners have three straight at home, right? So they're playing three straight West Coast at home. Their own. the Ra- the the Rams on the other hand travel from Buffalo to L.A. Then they have to go to D.C. Then they come back to San Francisco. And the team they face, D.C., is probably the only defensive line better than the Niners. So just think about that. You're traveling like that, and then you're going to get beat to hell by a, a Skins defensive line that goes seven deep and is brutal. And then you got to play the Niners defensive line. In the second game, the Rams are off a short week on Monday night football. They, their travel goes from Miami back home, then to Tampa Bay and then home again to face the Niners. The Niners are coming off a bye. How is that even – that's not even – like, if they they could split with the Niners this year, McVay should get a raise because he shouldn't win either of those games just on that. Can you imagine having to go, all right, I got to travel all the way down to Miami to play a team that's improved defensively. They have a good coach. You know, will, will they win or not? I don't know. But then you come back home to play a game. Then you got to go out to play the Bucs on Monday night football, travel short week to, to your house, but Niners have been sitting there waiting because they're off a of bye. It's like it, man, it's crazy. And they have they have other ones like that. The Tampa Bay game that Bucks have to travel back and forth from. They're on the East Coast four straight games. The Dolphins game that they have to go back and forth travel wise, the Dolphins are home back to back. And Rams are coming off the the short week. I mean, it's like honestly, I have the Rams ending the season on a run. They go five and zero. Oh. I have them beating the uh, the Cardinals, New England, uh, Seattle, and uh, the Jets. And I and I have them trying to make a run at the end. And that's why I said they could go six because could you see them losing to uh, uh, to New England? Sure. Could they lose to Seattle at Seattle? Sure. Cardinals? Sure. You know, so they could only win six. I have them going on a run, but before that run, they're four and seven on my schedule. It's just brutal. I Most teams don't get stuff like that. That, and that's the why I wanted to do the Rams one last, because I was like, yikes, that is tough.
0: Yeah, it does definitely doesn't sound easy. And uh, yeah, I believe, um, you know, you and I have, I've talked about this a, a little bit, but, when you look at the strength of schedule, I think it's safe to say that you got to take that with a grain of salt because there's so much turnover, coaching changes, players leaving, new players coming, and things like that. So it's not the end-all, be-all. And you shouldn't, um, when you're doing your end-of-season projections, you shouldn't use strength of schedule as a uh, as an indicator of um, how a team will finish. You know, that shouldn't be the only way you decide if a team's going to win or lose. Uh, it's, it's important to um, – you know, factor in other things other than just the uh, how a team looked last year. But, you know, with your breakdown, Mike, and it sounds like you were uh, using the uh, traveling element as a a key factor in your projections.
1: Yeah, it's a lot, especially with this, um, with this division where they when they play the AFC East, they have to travel so much that it makes it harder to, because, you know, when I, t- I have Dolphins winning three of the four games, you know, so people are like, well, Dolphins are all right. But in- against the NFC West, it's like, yeah, because the schedule just works out uh, crappy for them. It just it really does. It's it, it stinks.
0: Well, Mike, let's go over. You have the Rams. You wouldn't be surprised if they only won six games. However, you have them at nine and seven, not making the playoffs in twenty twenty for the seattle seahawks you had them at was it 10 and 6 is that right in the 2020
1: season that's correct
0: and they were they are going to be a uh, one of the two wild card teams to make the playoffs
1: uh yes as of now yes
0: okay and then you have the san francisco 49ers going 11 and 5 being the number one team in the nfc however they could possibly be limping into the playoffs and we've seen what what that can do to a team and we also talked a bit about the super bowl hangover so that could be something to keep your eye on as well Yep. and then we have the arizona cardinals a team that's on the up and up you know we're not really sure what to expect we we like the offseason moves that they did make especially acquiring deandre hopkins and bringing back Kenyon drake but again you have them um just falling short only you have them at eight and eight and they are not making the playoffs more than likely. Is that right?
1: Yeah, they, they wouldn't be not in the NFC. I don't think that's going to do it.
0: Well, Mike, you know, I appreciate the insight. I appreciate you uh, saving the podcast with your, with your well done research. I do apologize for the uh, misunderstanding there on uh, the expectations and what we uh, want, how we wanted to finish up the episode. So I appreciate you saving me there.
1: Oh, you're good, man. No saving. Yeah, that's no problem.
0: Well, here's another hot topic. It's earlier today. Uh, uh, the Super Bowl champion, Mister Patrick Mahomes, he he gets a ten year extension, Mike, for a little over four hundred million. Like, what were your What are your thoughts there on that deal? Uh,
1: I think it's smart. Um, I think it it likely shows the uh, the one is the smarts of the player and <clears throat> how we allowed the team to do a long term contract so that. <laughs> they can maneuver stuff around and continue to sign people. I think that's uh that is really, really smart. You can push back, um, uh, money owed to later. You can convert stuff to signing bonuses. There's so much you can do when you add more years, which is part of the reason they want Dak to have five, um, And then I think it shows the effect of the COVID-19 because they got it done so fast because I think that they understand that the salary cap could be a different thing next year. If they have no money coming in from fans and none of that, that, that it could take a hit. So, um, they did a percentage of the cap. I believe I don't have that exactly. Uh, but it's a, a 10 year extension, 400 million. And, uh, I think it's a brilliant move, and I, and I, I asked um, uh, Patrick No C uh, that uh, that do you think that has a positive effect on Dak because Dallas should be able to come to the table in the last two weeks and go well, Mahomes took ten years extension, and you're not going to take five. You're going to you know take a franchise for four. You know what I mean? Because Dallas came at first they wanted six seven years, so they brought it all the way down to five, and they're saying a four year deal. It just makes no sense to me that like. You're not going to take a five-year deal to not play on the tag and and worry about next year's cap and everything. I just don't see that happening. I, I think I believe that this helps Dak and is I mean, uh, Cowboys in their negotiations with Dak as far as getting him to sign the longer deal.
0: Yeah, I got to say the uh, the when the news broke that. The Chiefs and Mahomes have just even started negotiating and were in discussion about that. I thought that wouldn't be a, a conversation we'd be having until the uh, 2021 offseason, but it did catch me by surprise. I, uh, you know, when a player's making over $20 million and still has two years left on his deal, you would think um, that they they would wait to uh, talk about extensions or, or new deals, you know, with maybe one year remaining. You know, Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't strike me as the type of person who is, um, you know maybe money hungry or you know he he doesn't strike me as somebody who would sit out a season or or is just always looking to get paid he just he you know he seems like a very low-key relaxed type of guy and you know he knows things are going to get done he 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 makes me think that he'd kind of handle a a contract situation similar similar to what Dak is doing you know he of course he wants to get paid what he feels he's worth and you know he's not going to he's not going to cause any drama on the team or, you know, uh, do anything like that. So I was caught off guard by the news, but uh, I'm happy for Patrick Mahomes. That was a uh, uh, an eye-opening deal. I mean, I didn't even realize that a, a player could sign a 10-year deal like
1: that. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And the thing is, it's 10-year extension. So his first two years still count on there where he's got the uh, the – five mil cap hit this year and and then the fifth year option the 24 million the crazy thing about it is, everybody talks about the 40 million per year that he would be in 10 years uh uh 400 million comes out to 40 million per but if you add the two extensions the actual full length of the contract is about 36 million a year so you know we we talk about Dak wants 40 million and 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 you know uh, Mahomes gonna get 50 million and everything when you do the full 12 years it's about 36 million a year you know I don't want to do the breakdown at 35.8 whatever whatever Thirty six million. Right. that's what we're doing we let Katie so- Drummond uh, do the uh, specific uh, decimal number
0: yes that that's his uh specialty right there Mr. Katie Drummond and uh Shout out to Patrick Patrick Nursey Walker as well for offering his um, insight on the on the Patrick Mahomes deal as well. So when you see Patrick Mahomes getting this deal, do you do you think that a deal getting done with Dak is is maybe closer than we think, or do you, you know? Obviously, we hope that, but you know, seeing Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, signing a ten year extension, do you think that uh, Dak might? Might break down and be willing to do a a five year deal, or do you think he's still gonna try to stand his ground, him and the uh, his agents, and only uh, are willing to sign a four year
1: deal? I don't know. I feel like going in. I think it. It. I was kind of like, man, Dax taking a Dax agents really taking a risk, not getting this deal. You know, one year. You know, and 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 it's an agent thing, really, because he the the more times he gets to re up, the more money he gets. You know. So I get what he's doing, but I I went in going, it's a calculated risk because, okay, plays on the tag next year. Well, now you have no leverage because once you tag him again, not only do you take 37, 38 million to tag him, that comes right off your cap, but the cap could be lowering in a year, you know, and then you have no way to tag him. So you kind of have to just, after that year, you would have to give him what he wants or let him go to another team. But I, I look at it now, now you're you're kinda playing Dak to go to another team when you do it that way because you're asking them to do tag tag and then sign and in negotiation if if they give you a fair deal, but some you know, they give you a great deal. You know, they they pass Patrick Mahomes, but you get even more for somebody else. Well, the agent's gonna take even more now you've got him out of Dallas and uh I think it's, that's a bad move for the, for the agent to do that as far as, you know, just notoriety, Dallas is Dallas. So if you have deals that are similar, but also when this deal comes down and it ends up being 10-year, you can't tell me that the agent expected it to be 10-year. No way. And then you look at 10-year, 400 million added on extension. It, it just, it didn't work. I don't believe it worked out well for DAC, this contract. So I look at it as like a misstep. Maybe I should have just got the five years, should have got it. Now it's still going to be on the table, but, and, and they can still take it, but I think it's a huge misstep if they go into this year playing on the tag. Cause next year, okay. You want a four-year deal? That's fine. Then they got their five years. If you're saying you want a three-year deal, so you're at one now, you're really going to start losing.
0: Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, that thought there, Mike. And, I am curious where we've got a little over a week until July fifteenth, the deadline to get a deal done with Dak. After seeing the uh, Mahomes deal, do you think do you think that a uh, Dak deal will get done?
1: I uh, I apologize. I don't know if you caught me in there. A call came in right as you we were going, so I don't know if I was cut off or not, and I'm sorry about that. But I had to no no powers. problem. Like, You're good. What is, what is going on? And I hang up. So uh, please repeat that, Paul. I'm very sorry.
0: Oh no problem. I was just saying, you know, we've got a little over a week until July fifteenth, which would be the deadline to get a deal done with Dak. And after seeing the Mahomes deal, do you, do you think that we uh, the the Dallas and Dak do come to an agreement and get a a long term deal done?
1: I do. Uh, I would have to do it in my head. I'm assuming five years, thirty eight per. Um, probably somewhere around the 115 guaranteed, depending on how much Mahomes' guaranteed money is. It is over 10 years, but if they if they average out the uh, the the guaranteed money, it could raise it. But mine would be five years, about 38 per uh, 115 guaranteed, and uh, and they get the deal done. Let's go July 11th. How about that?
0: Uh, you know, whether it be the uh, the wee hours of July the 14th or on the 11th or here in a couple of hours, regardless of when it gets done, I just hope it gets done. And, you know, Dak deserves to get paid, and I'm happy that Patrick Mahomes got paid. I just uh, – I wouldn't feel that great going into the season knowing that Dak is only on a one-year deal. I'll tell you that.
1: I would hate it because you only get one year more of insurance on it. So you're talking um, – you're talking the next year if if here if you can't come to a deal and the agents like oh you think you guys are smart well now it's only a 3 year deal we'll sign and you franchise tag him again well now at the end of that you you're not going to tag him and now you you have to negotiate with every team and next year's cap could be really affected if you have to put 37 38 million full on there You're going to, I know we're going to lose people anyway, because it's going to be hard to keep our cornerbacks. You know, if they play like crap, you're not going to want to bring them back and they play really well. Teams are going to pay them. So we're going to have an issue keeping our DBs and we can restructure and stuff like that, but just get the deal done. Jeez, man. And, and this isn't just towards, towards, uh, uh, you know, the, the team, this isn't like, Hey team, take four years. Just take the fifth year. The guy just got a 10-year deal. Like, you lost on that. Sometimes that happens. You take a ga- gamble and you lose. You know, you people are thinking that Watson and, and Mahomes are going to sign early so they can jump back in. Oops, didn't work out that way.
0: Yeah, just with everything going on, we don't know what to expect, not just with this season, but the – season you know the uh, 2021 season and beyond so the the earlier we can get a deal done with dak the better and uh the sooner we can get back to just playing football the better am i right
1: yes sir asap get the training camp so i could do a damn roster projection
0: <laughs> yes guys please please opening up the training camp so so mike can go go back to work he already doesn't get any sleep as it is so i don't know how he plans on doing that but Again, Mike, I enjoyed our conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, thorough breakdown. All the insight and research you did was um, was just a thing of beauty to listen to. And I, uh, I'm glad I got to uh, talk with you today. So before while we're wrapping it up, again, remind everybody where we can find you at on Twitter.
1: Ask CD Piglet, guys. Hit me up. Let's go at it. Let's discuss. I'll mute you if you don't agree with me.
0: <laughs> yes, Mike, we'll hit that block button and never look back. Again, guys, I'm Paul Ryan. You can find me at Paul underscore Ryan 15. Uh, thank you for listening to the Across the Cowboys podcast, and we'll see you soon.